Yeah, I'm ready to go. This is Penn Sunday School, and to our listening ears, all angels sing and round us rings the music of the saints. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School, starring Penn Gillette. My name is Michael Godot, Penn, Matt, Freddy, Rich, and I are broadcasting from our separate homes here in Las Vegas. Welcome to episode number 777, where we're all still recovering from our COVID bouts. We'll be doing a few corrections from recent misstatements and probably apologizing for stuff. Here he is preaching love, Mr. Penn Gillette. This is Penn. This is Penn preaching love and giving my quick time to work at the same time. Wow. Crash, and I had to open it back up. I put it down, load it back up, did everything all while that was going on. It was tremendous. All that matters on this show is, um, ready? Yes. Uh, there's, at, at, uh, I can't get in my head. The Radio City Music Hall had a group of dancers. Um, yes. What was their, what was, what was their original name? The Missouri Rockets. Fuck you, Godot. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you Godot. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. So your your whole theory about it being Rockefeller Center, totally wrong. Right, exactly. It starts with the Rockettes. Then they starts with the Rockets. Well, it makes sense. Go, when oh, you're not at Rockefeller Ro- Center, it makes perfect sense if you're not at Rockefeller Center to call it Rockets. <laughs> Once you get there, you can't call it Rockettes. Fuck you. You sure can. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's Rockettes because it's perfect. It's just things getting really, really lucky. It's it's moving. We're called the Rockets. Oh, it's Rockefeller Center. Let's call it the Rockettes. Oh, you, perfect. You think it's like a coincidence? It's, like you working at the Penn and Teller Theater? No. <laughs> How weird that the Penn and Teller got a job at the Penn and Teller Theater. Hmm. No, I think I think it just, hey, look, guys, we could do this, you know? It's like when you realize said and done would be a great name for Penn and Teller. It's like that moment when you realize that. Yeah. Okay. But I, why, why would they have called them Rockets when they were in St. Louis? Because Rockets were a popular thing. The same reason they called- More popular the, than the, women? The, the bikini. Well, they yeah. should call Rockets women. <laughs> if you're going to go by that you theory. Know, why is it called bikini, Godot? I guess they blew up an island. Because the atomic fucking right. bomb. Yeah. Rockets and bombs and all that shit was really part of the culture. So you'd call them the rockets because that's a big, great thing to do. Rockets. And then you go, oh, we're moving to Rockefeller Center. Let's change it to Rockettes. All of this is exactly, exactly the way my mind wanted it. And you came in <laughs> and tried to piss in my fucking cornflakes, and I won, motherfucker. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. By the way, the Nagasakatumis did not do as well as the Rockets. <laughs> <laughs> that dance troupe did not go as far. No. No. <laughs> they did not. Perfect. You should say it again. Nagasakatumis? <laughs> yeah, the Nagasakatumis. Nagasakatumis is pretty good. Uh, yeah, that was a silence there when we were all mentally acknowledging we, should, we can't go any further in this episode. <laughs> just, just stop now. That was Penn Sunday School. Yeah. yeah. At the very least, it's we have perfect. an episode title. We certainly have an episode title. Yeah. Boy, how many did you go through to get that, Donnelly? 
Well, I just <laughs> I went through Hiroshima and then I went to Nagasaki to me. <laughs> Ties in with our laughing discussion of last time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You bet your bippy. You did <laughs> such a good job. Unbelievable. I haven't seen Michael Goudeau face to face. I guess this counts, but Goudeau gave me a gag in my show and it is killing in my show. Good. Good news. Oh, let's hear the gag. So I do this uh, thing where I have someone sign a card, and then I'm going to try to find it blindfolded with a knife. And so then I got the suggestion of doing it blindfolded with metal as a joke. It gets a big, it makes the audience go like, what? And then I pull out tinfoil, and it gets a laugh there. And then I, I would do like sheet, uh, two or three sheets of tinfoil and have it push it around my head. And Godot, watching it as a clown, was like, why on earth aren't you just unrolling that entire thing of tinfoil? <laughs> And uh, and so now I have where the audience holds it, and I roll it all the way out, and then I spin into it, and I spin myself blindfolded in a long sheet of aluminum foil. Much better reaction than what I was getting before. Good. Only side effect is, holy cow, do you actually cook yourself when you're wearing that much tinfoil? <laughs> <laughs> you sweat. I, I'm sweating so much. And at first I was coming off my shows being like, I don't usually, I mean, I have sweat, but I don't get this sweaty during shows. What's going on? And after like one of my, one of my magic castle sets where I was doing three a day, I was like, oh, it's when you wrap your entire head in tinfoil. <laughs> That's why you start to sweat a lot because you're cooking yourself. So. Do you baste? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, put a, I should do a little, yeah, I should spray a little should, cooking oil on my face before I go down. through it in a few spots. <laughs> <laughs> you could do that. That'd be <laughs> That is funny. Godot's non-stop gag machine. Sticking a fork in it is actually very funny. I'll just tell you, though, only with aluminum foil. Yes. <laughs> no. No, any props. <laughs> he hasn't said, get a giant roll of tin foil yet, has he? <laughs> oh, they do make a hundred foot one, don't they? Hmm. <laughs> and they make bro- wider ones, too. Wide ones. Ooh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the big, big industrial kitchen ones. Like, I can be yeah. like a... I can basically just make myself like a suit of armor on the spot. <laughs> it's going to be good. Um, when was aluminum foil invented? Tin foil. I don't think that's that interesting. We shouldn't go into it. <laughs> I have found out that my birds are vegan. What? My birds are vegan. I, I'm an odd bird feeder. I'm now getting about four to five dozen birds right outside my window. I mean, like four feet from me, uh, six feet from me. And, um, I good, give good, them your, your proper social distance. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they're right outside the window. And uh, for, uh, for New Year's, my family got me a taller bird feeder hanger. And the bottom we put on it, this is one of the brilliant ideas I've gotten. I didn't get this idea, so it's not. But to make the stand stand up, my wife put this like crate upside down crate that has holes all over it like a jail cell like a tiger cage when we were all back in nom and then the pole goes up through one of those and it holds it stable but i realized that if i put bird seed inside the cage that the morning doves who are gigantic could knock it through the holes but the house finches who are smaller could so now I have a special feeding area for the smaller birds. Like when you go to the airport and there's a special place for the smokers and then another special place for women and children, except I don't need a sign because why don't they do the doors in airports so that only women and children can fit through them? 
But because it my, my the, the new stand thing has other hooks to hang stuff on, I said, let's get some suet. Because my mother right. used to put suet out sure. for the birds. And I thought, oh boy, suet. So I've hung a big hunk of suet up on one of the hooks, and none of the birds has gone near it. Now, I know that the morning doves and the house finches won't go near it anyway, but I'm wondering if other birds will come in. Are there nuts in your suet, or is it just blocks of suet? None of your business. Um, <laughs> there, there, are, there are nuts in my suet. Okay, so the, the, the woodpeckers, I would think, would show up. But I would think so. I'd like to. I liked it. But anyway, my wife is disgusted by what suet is. Mm-hmm. She didn't know suet was, you know, kidneys, kidney fat. But she says if they like this suet, she'll make them vegan suet. <laughs> there, are oh. re- there are recipes for vegan suet online for, for birds. So we'll see. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> I'm very excited. But the number of birds, I think when I look online, people who feed birds – they're trying to get a variety of birds that they can watch. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the variety. I like having four dozen same birds all jumping around. Mm-hmm. They have a little kerfuffles, and I try to tell them there's plenty of food there, guys. You don't need to <laughs> you don't need to kerfuffle over the food, but they do kerfuffle over the food. And this is uh, something that's that's uh, sad. So I should put a warning up, like when it says on the nature shows, uh, contains fear. Every three days, I guess that's about right. Every three days, maybe four days, a female Cooper's hawk yeah, but you- comes in and eats one of the morning doves. Ooh. Yeah. And it is, you want to, it's not a kerfuffle. It is, it is, it, it is Armageddon. I hear this huge flurry and they bump into the window. They don't hit it because they're so close to the window. They can't get the speed to kill themselves. Right. They just bump their wings against it. But I hear this. Five wing bumps against it, and this squibbly, squabbly, squabbling. And then I see a, it's the same hawk, I believe, all the time. Uh, it's a female Cooper's hawk, rather big when it's that close to me. It's only six feet from me. And she swoops in, and there's a little bit of predator confusion. It looks like she can't decide which one she wants to go for, because there are so many. Right. And then she'll grab one if she gets it. About a third of the time, she gets it. And then she drags it up into a tree and um, dismembers and eats it. So wow. there's two things I think about this. One is I worry that the birds think I betrayed them <laughs> and that I put this feeder out in order to feed the Cooper's hawk. I, I, found believe- some, uh, I found some Facebook forums that say you and the hawk are working together. <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of. Because yeah. once the hawk comes... They don't come back for the food for like 24 hours, right? <laughs> and I think they're going like, oh, fuck you, Penn. We thought you were putting out good food for us. And what you're really doing is just setting up a buffet for the hawk. Yeah. And I was sad about it. And then I realized, well, the hawk's got to eat now, too. <laughs> yeah. So now I believe I have a feeding station for a Cooper hawk and mm-hmm. for all the morning doves and house finches. <laughs> <laughs> and so far, all the birds are vegan except the Cooper's hawk, who is seriously not vegan. And I've got beautiful pictures of her, too. As a matter of fact, if you remind me, Matt, I'll send the pictures to the people that do our Patreon. Oh, yeah, yeah. They love it. Because they would like to see the Cooper's hawk. She's very attractive. And, you know, where I live is named after the hawk, so it's nice to, it's nice to have a hawk as a mascot. 
And Tony Fitzpatrick, who has a degree in ornithology, is quite an expert on birds. He's the one that identified it as Cooper's hawk. And I was waiting for you, Godot, to argue with me, going, oh, that's probably not a Cooper's hawk. Not (laughs) this time of year. Not where you live. It probably isn't. It probably was just rockettes, is what you were going to say. (laughs) And I was ready to ram it right up your fucking ass and tell you, no, no, a guy who actually knows birds, not someone who just makes shit up, said this is a Cooper's hawk. But you're not going to argue with that? I have a Cooper's hawk in my yard every now and then, and it's fascinating. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. I, we like talked me. about it, actually, because uh, about six months ago, a sparrow got picked up off the fence by it and flew by me. And as it flew by, the sparrow oh, yeah. was looking at me going, help, help. <laughs> <laughs> just, just looking only at me going, oh, come on, man, you got to save me. Felt terrible. Well, your Cooper's hawk eats sparrows. No. My Cooper's hawk eats morning yeah. doves. High on the hog, yeah. Mine's a I badass. <laughs> yep, that's now, and hawks. Haw- I'm reading. Uh, I'm reading the book now. H's for hawk. Did you read that book? No. Pretty a- remarkable book. It's really mm-hmm. very, very good. Uh, everybody read it. It won a zillion prizes. Right. But uh, it's all about uh, the woman, the the protagonist, the narrator. The uh, it's autobiographical. Her father has just died, and in my world, very similar to me learning to play bass. She goes in heavily to um, falconing, what, except for the hawk. What's it called? I should know. Hawkening. Hawkening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's talking about working with this bird. And uh, so I've learned from reading H's for Hawk that hawks, once they've eaten, have no interest in anything. Right. Did you know that? I've seen it, yeah. They just sit. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I ate. Other birds are hopping on them. <laughs> Until they're hungry again. Yeah. You know? It's the way we should be, but we're not. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. Now, does this hawk that come, you said that every three days it's successful or every three days it comes to your yard? I don't know if it's always successful, but I bet it's successful times I'm not looking. I think it gets hungry every three days and goes, let's go to Pence. Ah. Because <laughs> the hawks all use the royal we. <laughs> I was wondering if the hawk is smart enough to like rotate quote unquote restaurants, basically fancy backyards, and just <laughs> goes to pens every three days. Right. You I know. feel like a little dove today. I think they eat about every three days. Oh, okay. That's what I'm Pretty thinking. fascinating to watch them sit up on the pole and pull all the feathers out. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, it's I, interesting. I have some pictures of that too. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, they, they go through the whole thing. They but I don't know. I mean, this is the, this is the circle of life, Simba. What is what's the name? <laughs> yeah. Uthafa. Um, it's the circle all. of life. I was going to be sad, but then I decided to not be sad and just to accept it. So I've accepted. Now you need a cat. You need a cat to catch that bird once every two weeks. <laughs> to keep expanding. Well, uh, cats are so, so dangerous. They are quality. terrible, yeah. I think if you have a cat, you, you really need to keep it inside. Yeah, what is it, a billion birds a year in the U.S. killed by bird, mm-hmm. by cats? It's pretty bad. That's only three cats, too, that do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of my cats is definitely on that list. <laughs> but I, mm-hmm. I didn't understand how bad cats were, and I thought it'd be funny to keep a count as to how many birds they catch. And then my one cat was like, oh, you think it's funny? And then just made it insurmountable. I can't count <laughs> the amount of birds. <laughs> Higher than you can count? Wow. It's interesting that... Um, that for all their skill at getting birds, they, they never get Tweety Pie. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Tweety gets away. 
Tweety, Tweety taunts him, too. Yeah. One of your cats has made an appearance in the show today. Oh, really? What's that? Yeah. Oh. Uh, run, running around the wall behind me. Though. My cats will <laughs> come by. Is it the vegan one or the other one? <laughs> if it had white paws, that's the, that's the one that it, it adorably chases birds. Uh, if it's the black paws one, that thing's a serial killer. That is a predator. <laughs> well, my dog, this bothers me. Uh, our dog uh, cares about grass, but does not care about birds or rabbits at all. When I occasionally take the dog for a walk, a yeah. rabbit will run by, and I'll get real excited, and the dog didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> and the dog walks out when all these birds are around mm. and just wanders at random. Yeah. Like the birds weren't there. I don't know why my, I guess I have a, a dog that is not, well, he's, he's, a, he's a very Party feminine poodle. poodle. Party poodle. <laughs> but he goes nuts for grass? Mm. He gets real interested in the bush and a little piece of grass. Oh, yeah, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> I go, there's a rabbit over there. Because in cartoons, which is where all my, um, you know, my animal husbandry information comes from, <laughs> all, my, uh, <laughs> all my zoological experiences are from cartoons. Uh, dogs are very interested in rabbits. Maybe he has the same eye condition that Steve Wynn has, where you just can like see through a pinhole. <laughs> and that would explain your dog's art collection. Yeah, that would also explain why Steve Wynn doesn't chase rabbits. Rabbits, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been wondering about that. Yeah. Why doesn't Steve Wynn chase rabbits? You know, uh, I think actually doing this Penn Sunday School today has been uh, has been pretty good for me. I feel a little bit uh, better, I think. Oh, good, good. It um, does seem like we're we're actually having a conversation and doing something other than laying around waiting to die. So that and watching laughing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. This is just delaying me having to watch Guardians of the Galaxy with my son. So <laughs> just do that. Well, that's not a bad movie. That's a pretty good movie. Oh, good. I'm, I was looking forward to that one compared to Infinity War and Endgame. Aye, aye, aye. Don't. Please, please, <laughs> don't bring that up to my son, who believes they're the greatest movies ever made. And by the way, we should correct that. Um, Tom Holland may be as, uh, as, as attractive as Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, I, I apologize. We make that, make that very, he's very, very attractive. And, uh, yeah. And just could not have more charm in interviews. And right. I know. He carries himself and so on. He's just, I guess if you want to be in movies and be a nice guy, be called Tom. I guess so. <laughs> well, I just thought of a counterexample. Never mind. Don't be called Tom. <laughs> counterexample sprang to mind. Uh, so uh, I guess that's just not the uh, not the rule. I uh, I had not watched the the Spider Man's with Tom Holland until this week. So that's why I was it was a blind spot in my movie movie viewing. He's really quite delightful. He is. All the Spider-Men. <laughs> Are we going to correct the pronunciation of the Swedish-named actors? <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Why don't you? It's Jake and Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying Gyllenhaal. You were saying hard G, Gyllenhaal. I was saying Gyllenhaal, and it's Gyllenhaal. In, in American English, it is Gyllenhaal. Okay. What is it in Swedish English? Gyllenhaal. I think I'll pronounce it that way going forward. Gyllenhaal. <laughs> and I but wonder I if they collect Van Gogh. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, how do you know the name is Swedish? Because you have a brain in your head. Because I looked it up. Ah, that'll work. And I'm sure I didn't get it right on top of that. 
I still think it's a good idea going forward to correct other people's pronunciations going forward. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Like, no, it's Gyanhal. Sorry, I just <laughs> I know Swedish. I know a little bit of Swedish. So yeah. <laughs> just want to get that right. I lived, I lived in Sweden. I lived in Sweden for several years. <laughs> I was there on the Nobel Committee. <laughs> I was there. The Nagasaka Tumis were touring, and uh, <laughs> I was their manager. <laughs> but yeah, that's Sweden. the funny thing: the Nagasaka Nagasaka Tumis really took <laughs> off in Sweden. <laughs> number one, number one in Sweden. Unlike many American bands, not big in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't figure out. Couldn't figure out what it was. Even though they were blonde, <laughs> I blame the Booker. Didn't take off in Japan. Yeah, but maybe Japan isn't the market for pop music it used to be. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, successfully predicted the chat is asking about GIF. Oh, I called that right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was that? The chat is asking about GIF. Ah, uh, uh, yes. It's GIF. Correct. <laughs> and we're done. Yeah. Although we'll accept Jake and Maggie. <laughs> I would love that if we got all the cockney and just called it the old Jake and Maggie. So I posted this Jake and Maggie of Tom Holland taking his shirt off. <laughs> Very nice. Yep. The Tom Holland couch rap about him working at the high school is just the greatest thing ever. You know? Oh, I don't know about it. What is this? You don't know the story? No. I, it can't be true, but he tells it is true. And it is like the best couch rap story I've ever heard. It's like, you know, Tony Randall level. Um, he's, he's English, of course, because there are no American actors. He's English. Yeah. And, um, he's whatever he is, 20 something. And he was playing a high school student an American. They decided when he was working for Spider-Man that they should enroll him in high school so he could pick up the American vibe of high school. So he attended American high school in California for like a couple months, passing himself off as a high school student. And there were things that weren't quite right about him, like he wasn't doing the homework and he knew things he shouldn't know. And he was only, he came out of nowhere and they didn't know how long he was going to be there. And there was one girl who sat next to him in classes. And she at one point busted him and said, There's something not right about you. There's something not right about you. There's something really weird. And he said to her, Can you keep a secret? And she said, yes. And he said, promise me. And she said, yes. And he said, I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do better than that, can you? I mean, can you imagine being the segment producer and doing your pre-interview with Tom and saying, you got any stories for us? And <laughs> saying, well, I did. I did go to high school, and they go, this is great stuff. Went to high school, that's fabulous. We'll do a lot with that. Boy, the host will love that. And then he gets to the punchline, and they just go, do you want to host the show? <laughs> Who wrote that for you? Who wrote that for you? <laughs> Who wrote, we need to get them. We need to get them. Get them on the show. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a perfect story. But the Marvel stuff is just... Um, you know, it was very interesting to be listening to um, Stephen Fry's Greek myths, uh, Mythos and uh, Heroes and Troy, and watching uh, the Marvel uh, Universe at the same time with my children, because it's the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I always have this, I can never tell, you know, you can never tell when you hear about the Greek myths, 
what level the people believed the gods. Right. You know? Right. And you don't know if it's the Marvel Universe or it's something else. But then again, I can never tell how much people believe in Jesus Christ. Right. Right. I, I, I can't tell even that. I mean, if, if some time traveler came back and said, uh, we're really trying to get this clear, you know, whatever, 40% of your country is Christian or whatever it is, 60% of your country is Christian. And we've read the Bible and what they believe. Do they believe this? I would go, I don't know. Even the people that answer that they believe Adam and Eve and virgin birth and talking snakes and uh, Nagasakatumis, <laughs> all the people who say they believe in all of that, do we believe that they believe? I think that they believe it's good for other people to believe. And so they're in on that game. Well, that's what uh, Steven Pinker says in his new book on rationality. He says that... Steven and I were hanging, yeah. <laughs> there are two levels of belief. Because people who believe... Uh, I don't know if I... Did I say this a couple weeks ago on the show? That people believe, said they believe, that there were pedophiles in D.C. who had children in the right. basement of a pizza parlor. Yeah. None of them called the police. Yeah. One guy showed up with a gun. Okay, that guy we put aside, but that's one guy. Why wouldn't, if you saw on Twitter, there's a pizza place with children being held, don't, don't you call the police? Yeah. Right away? If someone told you there is kitty porn being shot by the neighbors down the street, and I see children there, and they're bound, and they're being tortured in the basement, isn't your very next call to 911? Yes. I mean, while you're hearing that information. Right. And it's what I was always bothered by um, the UFO stuff on the periodicals as you're checking out of the supermarket line. Here I am pretending that I ever go to a supermarket. But, okay. <laughs> there was a time uh, when you went to one. Yeah, once. This um, is my, level, my levels of belief with you at the supermarket right now. We're exploring that. Yeah. You read, aliens have landed and have asked it. Now, people say they believe that. But if I read that and honestly believed it, I don't pay for my groceries. <laughs> I don't go to work. Yeah. I just do whatever that tells me to do. And if I believed that there was a hell and that you would go there if you, uh, if you had premarital sex, you know, 20 years ago, if I actually believed that, the entire cast of kink.com <laughs> could not get me. <laughs> I, I just think there are those two levels of belief because people have this reality that allows them to keep a job and function and go on and do that kind of stuff. Then they have this other level. So, I mean, is the Marvel Universe that different from the Bible? I just don't know. I mean, we've all known Christians. Yeah. Are there any that really really believe it? I mean, honestly believe it? Believe that they're going to go to hell if they do any of these small infractions? Or say, you know, take the Lord's name in vain? And of course, there are ways out of that because you can be forgiven. And they have to have that or everybody would just say, fuck it, three minutes into Catholicism. I don't know. It's very, I don't have any sense. You know, Rob Pike once said to me, uh, and I stole this. I stole this line with his blessing. I went on Joy Behar, 
when she, Joy Behar had her own show other than um, The View. Yeah. And Joy said, you know, you're often referred to as a hardcore atheist. What does hardcore atheist mean? And I said, it means I don't even believe other people believe. Yeah. yeah. And I think I may be at, at that level. I, I don't know. But I do know, Hello Fresh just sent <laughs> us a bunch more food. <laughs> they did. <sighs> Hello Fresh sent us more food. And I was thinking, you know, Hello Fresh, they put the recipes together. They send you all the food measured, all of that stuff. It's still a zillion times better to cook at home, even with all the help HelloFresh gives you in terms of health and in terms of finances, than it is to uh, order food out. Because restaurants put in stuff that you don't want. The food you can eat at home is more healthful. The New Year is a great time to focus on what's most important to you. Whether it's saving money by ordering less takeout, learning to cook, or prioritizing your wellness. HelloFresh is here to help you with endless options to make cooking at home simple and enjoyable. They even have desserts. They have Dunkaroos, cookie dough, and vanilla delight cheesecake. You had all that? I haven't had those guys, no. I haven't. There's the meals. I haven't gotten into the extras. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need to easily customize your order online or in the app, easily change your delivery day, food preferences, and plan size or skip a week whenever you need to. Gudo, tell us about, we're doing it, you know, we're doing it too. Emily got us a bunch of HelloFresh, oh, nice. and she serves me that food, and it is so, so good. Oh, and you man. leave the cheese out, and it's also vegan. Yep. Lemony spaghetti and Brussels sprouts. Delicious. Unbelievable. Spaghetti and Brussels sprouts with uh, panko and chives. Just so good. So easy to make. And I make my kids make them. Yep. Yep. It's the greatest. No, but you, are your children still both home now? They are both still home now, and they're somehow they're both still well. Neither of them right. got sick from us. Crazy. And they cooked the Hello Fresh. They cooked the Hello Fresh. I call, I call down and go, hey, we're going to have this tonight. Make the lemony spaghetti. <laughs> they go in the drawer, pull out the box of lemony spaghetti, and get going. It's fantastic. With the good pictures. With the pictures and the easy-to-follow directions and the right amounts of food. It's delicious. Hard to beat it. There's very little waste. 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality. Yeah. You can save, on average, over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. Yeah, it's impressive. And it, like you said, it's, it's healthier. You know what I mean? If you're at a restaurant, the most important thing for a restaurant is to try to get you to come back again. And so a cup of butter in your mashed potatoes is perfectly acceptable to them. But at your own home, you sure don't want to have a cup of butter in your mashed potatoes. So go to HelloFresh.com slash PSS16. HelloFresh.com slash PSS16 and use the code PSS16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. I know what you're thinking. Don't do it. PSS16, not 17, not 18. PSS16, HelloFresh.com slash PSS16. HelloFresh.com slash PSS16. HelloFresh. America's number one meal kit. Delicious. I tried to type PSS Googleplex. I fucked that up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the dump truck shows up at your house. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when are we going to be back uh, to doing shows, do you think, uh, Matt Donnelly? 
you mean PSS shows live and in person or Penn and Teller shows or uh, what do you, or are you talking about Copperfield? Talk about the Rockettes. <laughs> uh, November <laughs> or October. <laughs> God. I mean, I can't really figure out the guidelines to when mocks can go back to school. You can yeah. go back if you're testing positive but don't have symptoms. Is that right, Godot? I don't think that's right. After six I days, th- I think. I think if you test negative, you can go back. But other than that, I don't think you could. Because I am testing positive. I told you how fast my thing yeah. popped up. Look at that. Yeah. Still. That's also, crazy. you see that writing? For those of you who do Patreon and those of you who get postcards from me every month and you think, what the hell is he writing? That gives you an example of me writing carefully. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what that says? Anybody have a guess? No. Today's date? Very good. One eight twenty two is what that says. All right. I'll take my prizes in Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, please, please. Well, you're not going to get more than four or five Bitcoins for that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, Ready Rich, as being the only one here who's staying negative, how are you doing it? Hermitage. <laughs> yeah. That's the only yeah. answer. Yeah. Well, you know, we have uh, children that have a certain amount of interaction with the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I work three jobs. One of them's at home entirely. One of them is with four other people that I am in very rare contact with. And one of them is in a casino. But the position that I'm in, I could flee anybody. Yeah, you're never sharing air. Correct. Yeah. And what yep. bands you been doing lately, Ready Rich? Last night was David Perico. Oh, yeah, yeah. The house band for what's the team, Matt? The Golden Knights. It's the other one, isn't it? The Raiders. The, yes, house band for the Raiders. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's a known musician around town. I thought that was Can't Drive Fifty Five. <laughs> Didn't he play at the Raiders? What's his name? Hagar. Hagar. Didn't he play at the Raiders Stadium? I guess that was just a one up. Just a one I think. Yeah. Uh, oh, Diamond Dave canceled all the shows in Vegas too. Yeah. For those who were hoping to see David Lee Roth, his retirement tour, that's gone because of COVID. Yeah, and that was there was it's weird to cancel what you know is your last shows. That's that's a tougher that's a tougher call. You think he should have just got COVID and died? Could have finished it off his career at a high point. Like, yeah, I mean, like you really could have gone to like his last show. You know what I mean? Like Might as well jump. <coughs> Might as well jump. <laughs> 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 Just Stand to buy the <laughs> record machine. <laughs> you know what's really awful? I believe the only Van Halen song I can sing is uh, Jump. And I should know like another 10, right? Just a gigolo? Just gigolo is a Van Halen. I know, but he, he sang a version of it that was pretty famous. I uh, talked to um, Sam Butera of the um, Gilly Smith and... Um, the old lounge guy here in Vegas. No, no, but who was the... Uh, Louis Prima, the guy with Louis Prima and, uh, and that. And when I went to see him, I took uh, Debbie Harry to see uh, Sam Butera and Keely Smith in one of the lounges. It's Tropicana, probably. It was right when Just a Gigolo by David Lee Roth had come out. Bozy, bozy, bop! <laughs> <laughs> you broke right was Yes. <laughs> that was David Lee Roth's farewell concert right there on Penn High School. <laughs> and uh, boy, uh, Sam Butera was not um, gracious oh. about uh, David Lee Roth. He considered it to be a ripoff and not a tribute. Interesting. 
This gives me Kenny G vibes, Pen. I'm not gonna lie. What do you mean? Well, Kenny G, all the all the all the people who ripped Kenny G in the jazz world, but but the yeah. heavy jazz cats said he was legit. So it feels like it's easy to hate David Lee Roth for doing that, but it is, it is, it is. Yeah. I was just surprised because I thought that Sam Butera would say, you know, uh, oh, it's great, David Lee Roth is keeping that old stuff alive. Yeah, that was an amazing, amazing time in Vegas. I mean, I, I mean, the amazing time was when in you could, you know. You can see a 4 a.m. show of Louis Prima in a lounge. They did go out and have breakfast outside and watch an atomic bomb. <laughs> that, that was Vegas at its best. You really could, you know. I'm yeah. not making any joke at all. You could actually see while you were having your orange juice and toast an atomic bomb being tested in the distance. But even when I got to Vegas in the 90s, you could go to lounges and see Sam Buter and Keely Smith. Yeah. I saw Keely Smith like 10 times. Yeah. Actually seeing Keely Smith in a lounge in Vegas, there was still that much old Vegas left. And you go downtown to Fremont Street and see these weird-ass Korean bands playing in lounges that just killed me. You know, with, with those bands, those real lounge acts that play top 40 but also have props and gags and shtickle You saw those guys, right, Kido? Yeah, I loved it, yeah. They all had names like the, uh, you know, the Nagasaki to me. <laughs> <laughs> they all did. Bubaloo and the highballs. <laughs> yeah, they were all great. That was a really fun time in Vegas. And, you know, breakfast was 99 cents, and uh, we would stay up till the sun came up. It was a great time. Still, there were still lounges. When did lounges completely go away? That's just the 21st century, isn't it? It feels super recent, because I moved here in 2008, and you still had... A lot of there were like three popular bands around town that rotated. Lon's band, yeah, Lon Bros. I know, I know they still play, but like they were regular nights to still go out and see bands. But I'm talking about at a lounge. You can still see Lon Bronson All Stars at the Smith Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sold out. But I'm talking about wandering into a lounge and having a good live band play. No, like I went to 2008, and slowly but surely, almost every lounge has been replaced with slot machines at every casino. Now, was that your fault? I believe Mandalay Bay still has theirs. Yeah. Now, I know it's because for a while, Paul and I were trying to see if we could play improv in lounges. And so we might have been the cause <laughs> of all of these yeah. lounges shutting down. <laughs> I've done enough shows that it's bad. That's a rough, <laughs> that's a rough night there, buddy. Trust me. Even as a juggler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Did you ever I play a lounge? It. you ever play a lounge? Yeah, I did. Yeah. At, uh, they were hard? It was hard. Yeah, for a while I had a, uh, it was doing in the Follies Bergere, and then I had to go drive over after the first show and do a lounge show with some comics, and then race back and do a second Follies Bergere, and then race back and do a lounge show for the late night show. It was crazy. I remember uh, Debbie Reynolds at the Debbie Reynolds Hotel. Ah, uh, that was had so fun. Jokes and Jazz. Yeah, that was great. One of the most psychotic shows I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I never saw anything. I mean, when the sick fucks. And, you know, Teenage Jesus and the Jerks were playing CBGB in New York. It was not as weird as that Debbie Reynolds Jokes and Jazz show. That was a great Man, that was, that was insane. Yeah. Insane. Go over there and, you know, watch that at three in the morning. Yeah. Bringing out people. Oh, it's crazy. Just Big celebrities crazy. coming up and singing songs and telling jokes and sitting yeah. in the audience and hanging out. And it was great. Tom Jones used to stop in and play with, uh, with Lon Bronson. Yeah. You know, do it, really do a fun. number with them. Great. But uh, that Vegas is gone now. 
Maybe. Didn't uh, didn't uh, Lady Gaga stop into like a piano bar or something? She did something like that, I think. There's a couple of singers here in town trying to keep that alive and getting it going. And I know Mac has done it. And it's all mostly bands and then, you know, one variety act if they could find somebody. But I'm not sure where it is. I'm curious, like, you know, this is really inside Vegas chat here. But um, I, I used to have a, a, I remember the musical director I worked at Fifty Shades used to talk about, you know, casinos, you know, they'll spend crazy amounts of money to keep their bushes going and their landscaping. And he was like, shouldn't they count entertainment in that kind of a deal where you pay to have entertainment in your casino rather than basically the pressure is always to make it a ticketed event. So even if you're playing a small band in a small little whatever is to make it ticketed. And that's kind of what makes it difficult to make it happen. And I know that there's that one show, Showstoppers, where the show, you know, everyone pays their, their what's it, that fee when you pay on top of the hotel fee? Resort fee. Oh, mm-hmm. resort fee. Tickets to that show were included in the resort fee. And that's why that show was populated all the time. Well, that was because that was Steve Wynn's weird idea, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He saw a blade of grass and was like, I, gotta, I, I can make a show called Showstoppers. and the the great thing was the way it was uh, choreographed only the center dancer was any good (laughs) Uh, that's a joke about Steve Wynn's vision for those of you who do not follow Steve Wynn's exact prognosis Steve Wynn's eyesight is very bad and he can only see through a little center thing so the dancer in the middle that was the joke <laughs> those coveted outside dancer spots have been going fast matt yeah, and i both yeah. auditioned for those <laughs> <laughs> but but i think like basically like because we all talk about this aesthetic somewhere along the line someone's going to come along and want that aesthetic to be part of the casino and i think that's what it's going to take to make something like that happen again i feel like yeah and they will have uh, 500 people ready to work that lounge the next night. <laughs> exactly. There's no shortage of, of positions, that's for sure. Performers that want to do it, there's plenty of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Kelly Clinton's doing one every Thursday night at the Nevada Room here in Vegas. What's the Nevada Room? I don't know what the Nevada Room is. I just asked a friend who's worked it, so <laughs> the info I got. <laughs> just trying to stay on top uh, of the story. Why would there be a Nevada Room? We got New York, New York. We got Luxor. We got Monte Carlo. We got Paris. We got Venetian. Why the fuck would anybody name something Nevada room? Well, one thing Nevada does not want to be is Nevada. If Nevada wanted to be Nevada, the big casino would be called Las Vegas. The big casino was not called Las Vegas. The big casino Bellagio. Right? <laughs> yeah. Paris. Which, if you've been to Bellagio, I got to tell you, the casino's a booger. <laughs> <laughs> Bellagio's beautiful. <laughs> We're all yeah. broadcasting from our Nevada rooms. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be in the Nevada room. Maybe there's one realist. One. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. We have this show of old comics at the Nevada room. <laughs> in the Nevada room, the decor is they just have like a beer can full of bullet holes. Some shells beside it. That's yeah. it. That's the Nevada room. Yeah. A sleeveless yeah. t-shirt and concierge will sell you meth on your way to your seat. <laughs> That's the Nevada room. <laughs> crystal irregular. <laughs> it's a big night for me. Give me the crystal meth. Okay. <laughs> Fuck you. Just tap meth is fine. Thanks. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> I don't know what the point is of yelling something in code when everyone knows the code.
Well, the only thing I like about that is the code. I mean, I do like the the way the group made that into something, you know? Yeah. I do like that. Like, the pilot says it and shit. It's just, <laughs> just so weird. But it is, uh, it is a better code than uh, Buckfush. Remember Buckfush? Oh, yeah. That was lame. So some things in society are improving. In spite of our insistence <laughs> that they are. We found a vein. <laughs> See, there's hope. Boy, I saw that, that interview in the Times with Brandon, the race car driver. Mm-hmm. Oh. Going, I, I don't want I don't, don't, I don't want it. God, do it. That was the whole interview. <laughs> I, uh, uh, yeah. People named Brandon and people named Karen are having a tough time. Tough it's time. Tough time. <laughs> there must be couples that are Brandon and Karen. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. There must be. <laughs> they should be the lead singers for the Nakasaka Doomies. <laughs> I feel like we need to set up a point system for whether you can compete in society. We have a set of questions that we ask you, and if you get over 20, you can be part of society. If you get under 20, you can't be. So, like, the question is, you know, on, on a scale of one to four, how much is littering okay? <laughs> if you say never, you get four points. If you say, well, sometimes you get, you know, two points. Well, you know, this was a this was a pet peeve. This is a pet peeve of mine. Mm. Um, I wanted to do on bullshit, and boy, I brought it up to Teller. I brought it up to you. I brought it up to Star, and everybody just fucking drilled me a new asshole. <laughs> I just said, I don't think littering's that big a deal. I mean, right. I know people that when someone drops a wrapper will run up behind him and go, did you drop this? Hold it up. You know, right. people that just think littering is like the worst thing in the world. When we have climate change at the end of the world, when we have all this other shit going on, why is littering the thing that people get so self-righteous about? <laughs> I brought that up with Teller, who's just- self-righteous about littering, and he went, no. Remember, remember when I was bringing that up, Goodell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's funny that this would have been your most controversial episode. <laughs> Even when I say it now, people are going, what the fuck? Penn's a litterer? I want to tell you, I am not a litter bug. I believe that every litter bit hurts. I even like the slogan. I think it's great. But it's kind of like there was this law that said that cigarette companies had to make sure that people understood how dangerous cigarette smoking is, right? Then we crossed a line, and people think that cigarette smoking is more dangerous than it really is. Right. So cigarette smokers smoking cigarette companies, you don't need the smoking in there. <laughs> people, don't, people don't do a lot of other stuff with them, you know? People don't buy driving cars. They just buy cars. Yeah. If you're sticking cigarettes up your ass, you're not doing it right. Anyway, so <laughs> cigarette companies should now be telling people, you know, cigarettes aren't as bad as you think. <laughs> you good luck with that. <laughs> if they want to follow the law, if they want to follow the law exactly. Yeah. They should be saying not as bad as you think. But on littering, I think a similar thing has happened. People don't litter that much. They don't. They don't. But 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 what is the problem is not the littering, but the disregard for society. That well, yeah. It's a That's symptom. what it's like not putting your shopping cart back. That's not okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> Put your shopping cart back. It's those steps of being willing, being willing to take those steps is what makes you a, a, a part of society. But being willing to take those steps, which I'm perfectly willing to do, 
And I do take, by the way, I don't litter and I put my shopping cart back when I go to the grocery store every three fucking years. <laughs> There's a level of belief I have that says you put your, your, your cart back where it belongs, grocery shop. Good, good. I do. I do. Nate but, puts your cart back. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, I have it put back is what I'm saying. <laughs> I command it to be put back. That's all. But what I don't understand is people who correct other people on it. Oh, you left your shopping cart over here. I don't want that to be part of society. Yeah. What I, I, I want to tell you is we need to find a way to split society. This is really going to be a popular thing, isn't it? <laughs> we'll throw some people out of society for not putting their carts away. Godot, have you ever told a stranger to get their mask above their nose? No, but I glare at them. Right. That's the level, right? That's the line. That's the line. Yeah, that's, that's the, line the line. But like I said, now that I'm weaponized, I feel like going out and hanging out with them. <laughs> have you, have you yeah. ever... Have you ever told someone to put their shopping cart back? No. No. You ever told someone to pick up litter? No. Maybe. <laughs> let's let's hear good though. Let's hear about that. I can't I, I like some guy, I think it was a I was in a parking lot and somebody just poured out their ashtray and I went, you know what the fuck are you doing, dude? <laughs> Clean that up. And then ran because he, he turned and glared at me. So <laughs> when I lived on 115th in Frederick Douglass, I lived in a neighborhood where people like to litter. And so I would glare at people and it would make me angry all the time, but I did not correct anybody that might've been out of a sense of safety and not respect. Mm, I, see, I see. I see. Okay. So we, we got with your littering. What are the other 19 questions, Godot? <laughs> <laughs> Keep in mind. Yeah, here's, where it gets, here's where it gets tough. <laughs> I got two. I need to, we need to work on some others. <laughs> What's the second one? Oh, shopping cart. Shopping cart. Littering. 18 more. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it, it gets tough from there. I saw a guy swerve and run over a tortoise once, and I thought, that guy doesn't deserve to be in society. You know what I mean? That's bad. That's real. Yeah, a desert Weird. tortoise. Just, I mean, driving to the other side of the road to hit it. I was, oh. like, I was appalled. appalled. That is awful. Yeah. But I mean, you know what I mean? Those are the kinds of things that we, we, we should have some way to mark that guy's car. You know what I mean? Maybe paint guns. <laughs> I saw... <laughs> Big bear red spot. I didn't see this in person, but I saw it on video. Seven hundred people storming the Capitol building in the United <laughs> States. <of America. laughs> yeah, right. That should count for some points against you, and maybe you shouldn't be. That's almost as bad as the shopping cart thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was trying to keep it apolitical. <laughs> would you? <laughs> if I were there, I would have said, "Hey, quit it." Was the yeah. Capitol thing political? I think it might have been. I think it might have been. I, I, Bunch of those Brandon supporters. <laughs> I just don't know how beating a police officer with an American flag, I don't understand that political statement. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand it. No. I think that knocks you out. I think you're out of the club. Oh, no. <laughs> I think you're out of the club because you can't even make a political statement. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when Abby Hoffman said, we're going to raise the Pentagon and all the bad spirits will fall out. I understood the political statement of that. Right. right. It was crazy. I understood it. Here's the image. I'm a patriot. I have an American flag in my hand and I'm beating a police officer. Yeah. What is that saying? <laughs> I respect the United... Uh, I just shut down at that. Yeah. So I, I disagree. I do not think the storming of the Capitol was political. Okay. Right. <laughs> but shopping carts going back. <laughs> but you're okay. 
you don't have to bring them all the way back to the store, right? You can leave them in the little shopping cart park place. Yeah, yeah. Them, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, okay. I'm okay with that. I, I yeah. bring, I bring it over there. <laughs> Actually, if you bring it over there, I really feel self righteous about that, all out of proportion to what I deserve. <laughs> <laughs> I have. This is probably pretty. This is probably crossing the line. I have put away someone else's cart. They watched me do it. I, I was putting away my cart. I saw they were leaving their cart. And I took their cart. Wow. I think that's totally okay. That's great. That's totally okay. See, that's a, that's that's totally a statement okay. right there. Yeah. That's a it's statement. a statement, but it's, it's <laughs> the right kind of statement. Yeah. I'll okay. do this work for you. But how did you do it? Cheerfully or with a glare? With a glare. <laughs> I know. The glare. I'm, I'm, I'm asking. Cheerfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You should wave and say, let me get that for you, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Godot has so much anger in him. <laughs> I do. No yeah. one knows yeah. it. No one knows it. Well, He's that's filled with anger. That's that's always true, though, you know? It's always the person that is, is like Goudot, that is seething yeah, with I'm, hate and anger every I'm gonna second. I'm going to snap. I'm going to snap. That's always true. And uh, I think uh, we can't wait for anything better than Nagasaki to me. That was Ben Sunday School. <laughs> that was Ben Sunday School. Cha-cha-cha. You become naked. I'm saying nothing here because I'm coughing. <laughs> so, do the three of you all take a cart from the lot into the store? Yes. I do. I try to do that, yeah. From time to time. Not, okay. You know, every three years. <laughs> You know we love you. You know we love you. You got anybody to thank there, uh, Matt Donnelly? I do. I, but I also want to say, because I know we're going to get mail about uh, the writers of bullshit saying we should have a citizenship test. We know we're going to get that mail. But I would like <laughs> I would like <laughs> people to write in questions they think that should be on the test. That's what I would like to see. I want to say thanks to Central Park Owl, Lancey Menchu, Stephen White, Harlan Liam Clark, Michelle Yeiser, Jonathan, Brogan Hastings, Placida Scott, Dante Peace, Damian Martin, Adam Luce Loves, Matthew Michael Penn and Reddy, Timo Tehoff, Mark Pickenheim, Miriam Engels, Scott Kelly, Kelly M, Adam Berzins, Chris Marvin, Fractured Adventures, Carlos Alvarez, Michael Cornwall, Ross Devereaux, Rue Dudley, and Ryan Matthews. And a special thanks to the wonderful couple, uh, Brandon and Karen. <laughs> Brandon and Karen, yeah. And Jake and Maggie. And Jake and Maggie. <laughs>